Amen. Let's pray. And Lord, we confess that we need you so deeply. Lord, there are a million things going on in our lives, Lord, and we can't handle a single one of them appropriately without your grace, without your spirit, without your leading. And so, Father, we just beg you, help us. We need your help. Save us, Lord. Father, as we study your word now, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and our circumstances and our lives, and that we would be open to hear from you, and that you would do your work in your people through your word. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Find Acts chapter 2 in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have some up here at the front. Look at Ben helping out. Yeah, if they don't have a Bible, Ben, just chuck it at them. No, don't chuck it, but you can give them one. Just be like, you need this. Uh, two things quick. Uh, super excited about the t-shirts. Uh, not just because it's another t-shirt, but we feel like our purpose as a church, we exist uh, to glorify God by helping people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's our mission statement as a church. That's what we do. And uh, that comes from the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. Uh, it's in Matthew 2 and Luke as well. But anyway, uh, Mark chapter 4, right? There's four seeds. And Jesus actually said, as he's teaching that parable, he said, this parable, understanding this parable is not only the key to the kingdom of heaven, but it's the key to understanding all of the other parables. And so that's why it's on our shirt, right? Uh, the first one, the seed of God, or the seed is the word of God. So that's knowing God. Finding freedom is that root without the rocks, because some of those didn't bear grow roots, and then when the sun came up, they shriveled away. Uh, the third one was the seed that got choked out by the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, right? So we got to get stuff out of our life, discover our purpose. Stuff needs to go, stuff needs to go in, and then bear fruit, make a difference. So anyway, that's what the shirt's for. Uh, we're excited about it. If you want to buy one, talk to Krista on the way out. Uh, another thing that we're doing for the first time ever, um, this, is, this makes sense, right? On days that everything's going crazy, that we should do things that we've never done before. Uh, Micah and Leah have been with us. I'm not checking my Facebook. I'm doing something with this. So Micah and Leah have been with us f since the beginning of our church. So uh, we celebrated four years a couple weeks back and uh, very excited about that. And they left last spring with the intention. We sent them out. We prayed for them. Micah actually taught. Uh, on a Sunday morning uh, with the intention of going to Papua, um, which you might know as Papa, Papua New Guinea. Uh, so Papua, that's how they say it, apparently. And anyway, they are missionaries there. And they were trying to get there forever. COVID shut down the borders and all that stuff. So they finally this week made it. And we are very excited about that. And as a little, you know, it blows my mind that as a little church that we are, that people in Papua are preaching the gospel and you know, it's like an extension of this ministry, which is incredible to me. So um, I'm going to shoot a little video of myself here, and I'm going to tell them how proud we are of them. And then I'm going to turn the camera to you guys, and you guys are all going to show them how much we love them and are standing behind them. Okay? And if you're not, because you're first time here and you don't know who they are, just fake it. That's fine. <laughs> Micah, Leah, we are so happy for you guys, so grateful that God opened the doors for you to finally be in Papua. We are with you. We are praying for you. We are for you. We are keep going. Micah and Leah, good job for you guys. And I'm here with everybody else on a Sunday. Yes! 
Look at this. So, love you guys. Keep going. Good job. All right. Now, this would be a perfect time to remind everybody to turn off their cell phones. If you're going to speak in tongues, you've got to have an interpreter. Just telling you, Josh, take care of your kid. I'm kidding. <laughs> there we go. Jumping back into our story here, we've been working our way through the book of Acts, and where we left off last time was the day of Pentecost. Uh, Jesus had just been crucified during the Feast of Passover. Uh, he had resurrected uh, a couple days later. Uh, he spent 40 days then with the disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God, we were told. And then 50 days after Passover was Pentecost. Uh, and so we started Pentecost uh, last week in chapter 2. If you remember, the disciples are in a room praying, devoting themselves to prayer. The Holy Spirit comes. Sounds like a rushing wind. There's a loud noise. There's like an earthquake. The room shakes. There's flames of fire over their heads. And they start proclaiming the goodness of God. In the goodness of God that they're proclaiming, God does this miracle and changes their languages so that people from all over the world who have been gathered together for the Feast of Pentecost are hearing the goodness of God in their own languages. And then all of a sudden, they go out the doors. This commotion is happening. It's like kind of organized chaos. Like everybody's going, what is going on here? What's happening? And then there's a group of people that start to mock. Oh, you guys got after it a little early this morning, did you? celebrating Pentecost a little quicker than the rest of us, right? And they're like, they're drunk, don't listen to them. And so there's this crazy thing going on. And the crowd is gathering, the disciples are there, they're doing this miracle thing, preaching, prophesying, the good works of God. Everybody's hearing it in their own languages. It's crazy. The Holy Spirit's doing all this stuff. And at this point, it seems like somebody needs to say something. Right? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where things are getting a little more chaotic than you're comfortable with. And that's what's happening here, right? There's the crowd. There's the mockers. There's the Holy Spirit. And it's like, oh, uh, we should do something right now. Like, somebody needs to say something. We need to get a hold of this situation. And that's where we pick it up. Verse 14 of chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. If you have a white or blue Bible that we gave you, it is page 530. It says, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the Lord, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. 
But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke to the resurrection of Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received power, from no having received from the father the promise of the holy spirit for he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing for david did not ascend to heaven but he himself says the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies your footstool let all the house of israel therefore know for certain that god has made him both lord and christ this jesus whom you crucified now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Man. So what you just read, and I read the whole thing in pur on purpose because that was how they would have heard it. They would have heard that whole thing. That was basically the first Christian sermon ever preached. Right, this is the beginning of the church on this day, 2,000 some odd years ago. And, and Peter is preaching this very first like Christian sermon since Jesus left. It's like, here we go. It's probably the first sermon that Peter ever preached. Now think about the circumstances surrounding this. Right? Talk about like a big deal for your first sermon ever. Right? There's thousands of people. None of them are believers. Right? They're, all, they're all, what's going on here? And then you start to get a crowd that's like, they're drunk. They're drunk. And Peter's like, we're not drunk. It's 9 AM. Right? Like, we'd have to start real early for that. Right? The third hour of the day, the way they told time in the day is sun up to sundown uh, was kind of how they numbered the hours. So 6 AM was sun up. That was the first hour. Uh, 6 PM was the 12th hour. So anyway, long story short, this is like 9 AM is what they're saying. And Peter says, no, we're not drunk. And as they're like mocking and stuff like he stands up and he's probably looking around and, and saying, oh, now what? Right. The Holy Spirit came like there's all this crowd gathered around. These people are mocking. And it would have been real easy for the disciples to say, uh, you know what? We're going to go back in the room. That was pretty cool, right? Praying and the wind and the tongues of fire. Like, that was a really cool experience. Let's go try and do that again. Right? And I point that out because it's real easy to talk yourself into not doing what God has put in front of you to do. I say that from experience. Now, we've been doing this for three weeks. Right? What did Jesus say to the disciples? Wait. Wait for the promise. 
Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait until the God moves, right? And, and we said for the last three weeks, if they would have gone ahead without waiting, like, that would have been disobedient. That would have been wrong. Now, at this point, it's the opposite of that. If they would have not gone ahead when the Holy Spirit is clearly saying go, that would have been just as wrong. You see that? We need to go when God says go and wait when God says wait. And there was a bit of a huge temptation right here to been like, just joking. Sorry about that. Go about your day. Let's go back in the room. But God said, Jesus said before he left, that last conversation he said, he said, wait for the promise of the Father and you will be my witnesses. Well, guess what? You get to be witnesses right now. And we do this all the time. I, I'm bringing this up because I live in America in 2021. I know what it's like to talk yourself out of the thing God is telling you to do. Right? And we got a million excuses. Right? We're like, I want to do the thing you want me to do, God. And then God opens the door in front of you. He puts it in front of you. And now it's a little more difficult than you thought. Right now, you have to say no to some things you really don't want to say no to. You have to love somebody in a way that's a little bit uncomfortable. You have to speak up when you'd rather be quiet. You have to shut up when you'd rather say something. You have to go when God says go. And you're like, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe if we wait a week. Maybe if we wait. Man, now's a bad time, God. I mean, the mockers are here. They're saying we're drunk. I mean, nobody's going to hear us. They're, they're, they think we're drunk. They're, they're mocking us. Let's wait until there's no mockers around. I'm telling you, if you are waiting for that moment when there is zero difficulty in doing what God has called you to do, you're waiting for a fairy tale. If you're waiting for everything to line up and make sense in your mind, you'll be waiting forever. That day is never coming. Okay, when God opens the doors to go, we have to go. It would have been tempting from the disciples to go back in the room and make their whole lives about trying to have another experience of the wind and the fire. And like, that was really cool. Let's just keep doing that over and over. But somebody has to stand up and say something. And I can also tell you from experience, because I've done this, where God tells me to do something, I'm like, nah. There's two, actually, there's three super common areas where God says go and we say, nah, we're good. One is commitment, right? Hey, sign up for this. No, nah, I can't sign up. I got, you know, there's birthday parties for people, right? No, we got to uh, defrost my oven. You know, like we didn't, we, God's like, do this. And you're like, no, 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 I got, I got things. I got things. What things? Well, I might have things. Okay, well, fine. Like people do that all the time. The second one is when God tells you to get something out of your life and it's clear as day to everybody around you, that thing's got to go. And you're like, I don't know, just kind of hold on to it for a little bit longer. God said, no, go. And you're like, eh, I really like it. It's kind of comfy. It's like a Snuggie. I'm just going to keep it going. And then the third one is uh, when God says you to say something. And people are like, no, I'll just pray for him. What are you going to pray? Dear God, bring somebody else to talk to him. You were just talking to him, right? <laughs> God, like we have these times when we get in these conversations and like we get to that moment. Everybody knows the moment in the conversation, right? You're having a conversation with somebody and it gets to that like turning point and we can either go deep and real or we can go shallow and talk about the Seahawks. And like so often we like get to that moment, we go, 
Seahawks, right? And I'm, I'm going to tell you, yeah, it, it's a terrible feeling when God has said, wait, and you go ahead. That's a terrible feeling. But I don't know if I've ever had more like internal excruciating pain than when I missed an opportunity that I know the Lord had opened for me. Anybody else ever had that? Where you're like, I should have done that. And I, I know the Holy Spirit was telling me and I didn't do it. That's a, that's a, that's a miserable place to live life, right? And that's what the apostles, I mean, they're sitting there and they're looking around like somebody's got to say something. And they had that temptation, I'm sure, to go back in, but they didn't do it. They, Peter stands up. Now, along those lines of finding excuses not to do what God is calling you to do, I want you to think about Peter and his story for just a second here. Because you might be reading this and you might be like, okay, Peter stands up, cool. Because you're thinking of Peter, you know, from the entire book of Acts or from the entire uh, story of the gospels and he was always saying stuff. But in this moment, in this very moment, this was probably a really incredible thing that Peter stood up. Think about it. The streets are full of people. The Holy Spirit comes. The crowd gathers. Some are amazed. Some are mocking. Everybody's paying attention. The realization sets in by the apostles. Somebody's got to say something. And who stands up? I mean, there's 12 of them, right? They're looking around. James? No. John? No. Thaddeus? Like, who? which one of us is going to stand up? Matthias is the newest. Maybe we should make him do it, right? And Peter's the one that stands up and starts to speak. Now, of all the apostles to stand up and say something right now at this moment, Peter is literally the worst option. <laughs> the worst. Why? Just 50 days earlier, Peter was in the same city, in the same area, probably near the temple. Everybody was gathered into that city for Passover. And what was the lasting impression that Peter left on that crowd of people those days? He denied Jesus three times. Remember that? And the last time, it says there was a crowd of people gathered around the fire late at night in the chief priest's house. And the, the crowd was like, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he's like, no. And he started to call curses down on himself. And he, in front of this whole group of people, he's like, I swear to you, I never knew Jesus. Just 50 days earlier, six weeks earlier, in the same place. So now fast forward to Pentecost, right? That's the guy we're going to put on stage. He's going to stand up and like deny Jesus guy, curse himself that he's not a believer and a follower. I can already hear the insults coming, right? As he stands up, men of Judea, I'm like, wait, he's probably thinking like, I wonder if there's some of the same faces in the crowd. Some of these same people that just heard me deny Jesus six weeks ago. I mean, this is like this. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't want to do it, but like we said, when the Holy Spirit says go, you got to go. And the truth is, I don't care what excuse you have for not doing something. If God says go, you have to do it. Peter has a million excuses for not doing what he's about to do. He's got a bunch of really good excuses for not standing up, not speaking out, not putting himself out there, not starting the conversation, but he's got one excuse for doing it, and that's because God told him to. A bunch of reasons why he shouldn't, just one reason why he should. And that one reason why he should trumps everything else in his life. So we, we, this is why it's so important for you to hear 
the Holy Spirit. It's, it's so important for you to hear what God is speaking to you. Okay, now if you're thinking like, what is it? What is he talking about? Do I got like some antenna in my head? We're going to talk about that in a minute, right? There's not some weird, like, right? Like, I'm not trying to get you like earth signals from another planet or something like that. But Christianity is defined by people hearing from God and then doing what he's called them to do. All those excuses that Peter has in his head, none of them matters. What does matter is when you do what God calls you to do, then the Holy Spirit can do what is necessary and needs to be done. And that's what's about to happen in this place. Actually, the Bible tells us that there's only one thing that can limit the Holy Spirit. You know what it is? It's you. Not you, like you. It's like me and you, right? It's us, right? I can limit the Holy Spirit in my life. I can be like, nah, I'm good, God. No, thanks. Don't want your power. Don't want your grace. Don't want your working. Don't, I'm good. The Bible says we can actually limit that. And I point that out because I don't want you to forget. What is happening in Acts chapter 2 is a work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? In, when we get, especially in the book of Acts, when people start to like read this stuff and they see what happened and they're like, oh yeah, this is what they did. For whatever reason, we have like the super nostalgic like view of the book of Acts. And so we go back there and we just try to like copy the methods that they had. And hopefully if we copy the methods, we think that we'll get the same results. Right? And so we go back and we're like, oh yeah, they did this. No, no, this is just a story of what happened. But the story is the Holy Spirit came. And if you know anything about the Holy Spirit and just how God works in general, he very rarely does the same thing twice because the method is not the thing that we need to be copying. The presence of God is the thing we need to be copying. Right? Just go to the miracles of Jesus and you'll see that he barely ever does anything the same way twice. Like He's healing people. Sometimes he touches them. Sometimes he doesn't even go to where they live. So many times he tells their dad, he's like, no, your daughter's healed. Right. One guy, he like spits on the ground and makes mud and like rubs it on his face. He's like, I don't know. I'm running out of options. Right. Just to show you that it's not the method. It's the spirit of God at work. Right. So this is going to be a common theme as we go all the way through the book of Acts, but especially today. Right. Don't get caught up in like, oh, we can do like if we can somehow manufacture the same method, then we can expect the same results. There are people who prayed longer and harder and more fervently for years and years and years and years and years and never saw these type of results. Why? Because it's a work of the spirit. And when you think that you could just copy a method and get the same results, you're putting yourself in the driver's seat. Newsflash, you're not in the driver's seat. I mean, that was worth the price of admission right there. You're welcome. You can all go home. No, but like God's in the driver's seat. We just need to be paying attention to what he wants to do, right? That's the whole point of the thing. There are people in the Bible who never saw any type of fruit like this. And the Bible doesn't say like, yeah, it's because they sucked and didn't really love Jesus. No, it's just because God's timing is perfect. God wanted to do this. And so the work of the Holy Spirit comes and, and we see this incredible thing happening. And it says 3,000 people were saved on that day. 3,000 people. The church went from, there was 120 people gathered praying to 3,000 believers in an instant. Because God can do it. He can do whatever he wants to do. And he decided he wanted to do it on this day. Now, I would love to make it all the way through this, but if you've noticed, 
uh, we haven't talked one minute about what Peter actually said. All right, we've talked about the sermon. We've talked about all these different things. But we haven't, like, hey, what did he say and how did it go? Like, we're going to do that next week. So I'm actually going to finish with this point. I think it's fair to bring it up. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes? What should it look like when the Holy Spirit comes? When the Holy Spirit is at work, what should be happening? I think it's fair to think of that because there's a lot of interpretation of that in our world today, right? We have a lot of people that say, oh, if the Holy Spirit comes then it looks like this or it looks like that or like, and there's, there's a certain group of people that's like, if there's not pandemonium going on, if it's not crazy, then the Holy Spirit's not there. Right? If there's not gold dust in the air and feathers falling from the sky and people falling over dead and visions and, you know, trances, then God's probably not, it's not the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't know. What I just read here was that the Holy Spirit came and yeah, there was a wind. Yeah, there was tongues of fire. But then Peter stood up and what did he do? good old-fashioned Bible study from my perspective, right? He stood up and he said, here's what Amos said. And then he explains it to the people. This is what it means for us. And then he goes back and here's what David said. And then he explains it to the people. Here's what that means for us. He interprets it. Like, this is just, this is what we do every Sunday, right? And, and so some people, I tell this story, I was tearing down church last maybe a year ago it was before covid that's for sure so i was out front and i was rolling carts into the trailer and this couple was walking down the sidewalk out front right and they stopped and the girl seemed very excited she goes oh, is this a church and i was like yes it's a church and she goes is it a spirit-filled church and i was like laughing like who's gonna say no right I mean, maybe there's somebody out there, but there's like, no, we don't do the Holy Spirit thing. That's weird. Like, I think everybody in the church world thinks that they have the Holy Spirit. Maybe not. But anyway, I thought it was a funny question. And then she goes, no, no, do you know what I mean? Do you make room for the Holy Spirit to move? And that, at that question, I did laugh out loud a little bit. I was like, yeah, we do. But not in the way that you think. And she was like a little bit confused by that. But she's like, we'll come check it out next Sunday. And we never saw him again, which is fine. It happens all the time, right? That has nothing to do with the story. So anyway, they walk off. And uh, one of our volunteers was listening to this conversation. They saw me kind of laugh and say, what's that about? What does it mean to make room for the Holy Spirit to move? And I was like, well, we make room for the Holy Spirit to move, but there's not craziness. Like there's not pandemonium. Right? The people who are saying that type of thing think that the Holy Spirit can only move if like chandeliers are swinging and flags are waving and people are saying crazy stuff. I just don't see that in the Bible. Yet there are moments where that craziness is happening. But the primary way that God desires to communicate with his people is through his word. You know that, right? That's how God chose to reveal himself to humanity. That's how God chose to relate to this world, right? If you go all the way back in your Bible to the very beginning, it says, in the beginning, there was God and God created the heavens and the earth. And the way he did it was he had a huge sound system and 85 people on stage with microphones and they were all speaking in tongues and there was gold dust in the air and boom, the world was created. No, that's actually not what he said. 
in the beginning, God said, let there be light. He started all of it by his word. He spoke the world into existence. He could have snapped his fingers, could have danced a jig, he could have done the hokey pokey. He decided to speak. He decided to, from the very beginning, relate to this world by his word. And we see that taking place again here on the day of Pentecost, that the church is born and the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit drives the church. The first leaders, Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit in that room is driven to the word of God, not away from it. He's not circumventing the word of God. He's not like, I'm receiving a word from the Holy Spirit. Somebody in here has got a bad back and got to be healed. No, he didn't do that. So let's read our Bibles, guys. What did Amos say? What did David say? What, what, what happened when David had a vision of that coming Messiah? What does that mean for us? What do we see in Jesus's life? Like, this is incredible. The Holy Spirit drives people to the word of God. And here's, here's how you could tell. Because there's people who are, there's churches, I'm sure, in this town who are going to read the Bible this morning and not have the Holy Spirit. And there's other churches in this town who are going to have a crazy melee going on with flags and the whole deal. And they're also not going to have the Holy Spirit. So how do we know then, Jared, when the Holy Spirit's present and when he's not? Help me out. Look at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You see that? They were cut to the heart. And then they said, what then shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And they did. 3,000 of them. Right? So the way this works is the Holy Spirit comes, empowers these guys to be witnesses. They preach the word of God. It cuts these people to the heart. And not just that they feel bad, but then they ask, what shall we do? And then they do what is suggested that they do. And they get baptized and repent. That's the mark of the Holy Spirit right there. Lives changed. Lives changed. Right? You walk out different than you walked in. You are cut to the heart. You walk in and God speaks and you listen. I don't know if you knew this or not. Coming to church does not get you to heaven. Reading your Bible does not get you to heaven. Saying prayers does not get you to heaven. Being cut to the heart, responding to what God has spoken to you. That is the dividing line. That is the sign. That is, that is, I'm led by God. I'm not led by God. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Like we've been doing for the last month. We're going to finish for the time. I'm early. You guys should be like high-fiving me right now. We're going to spend a couple minutes, Right? Lord, what, do you, what are you speaking to me? Am I cut to the heart by your word? Is there something in my life where you're saying wait and I'm pushing ahead? Is there something in my life where you're saying go and I'm coming up with a million excuses why I should wait a week or two weeks or a month or a year or when I get my ducks in a row, then I'll actually do what God's called me. No, no, no. Is there something I need to stop doing? Is there something I need to start doing? Is there a relationship that needs to go? 
Is there something I need to say no to that I really don't want to say no to? This is what it means to be cut, by the heart, cut to the heart. Like that we start to actually listen and apply the things that God puts in our lives from his word. That's the mark of the Holy Spirit, right? I don't care if you do miracles. I don't care if you jump around. I don't care if you sit there quietly with your hands folded forever. If your life has changed, then we're on the right track. If it's not, then we just wasted our time. I'm here preaching the word of God, and all these volunteers are here engaging in this thing that we do on Sunday mornings because we believe so much in the word of God to change lives. There's nothing else we'd rather be doing right now. Not one thing. I promise you, if you take that attitude into this time of prayer, this could be the most important hour of your week. Think about that. The mo Forget hour. This could be the most important five minutes of your week if you're cut to the heart. Worship folks, come on up. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your spirit clearly leading us to your word. And I pray right now as, uh, as we sit and uh, reflect on what you've spoken to us from your word, uh, that your spirit would do its work, Lord. You to open our eyes to areas um, that you want to address, areas that you are interested in us achieving more for ourselves than we currently want, Lord. And so often, Lord, you want more for us than we want for ourselves. And I pray we see these convictions as opportunities uh, to know you more to find greater freedom, to discover a higher purpose, to make a greater difference, uh, and not obligations um, or, or boxes to check in order to please you. You're already pleased with us. You already love us. Your conviction in our hearts is a sign of grace. It's not because you hate us, it's because you love us. Just spend some time right now reflecting on what the Lord has spoken to you this morning.